Hello, and welcome to the podcast of Do You Know the Mob? I'm your co-host, Samuel Bren, and we have added a family member, a little dog, a little pooch, a, little <laughs> a dog that needs to get spayed. <laughs> don't, want, don't want no male coming over here, getting my dog pregnant. Oh, my God. He's not on the podcast, folks. It's Brandon Ellis, as always. (laughs) I don't know where the dog's at. (laughs) No, she's really sweet, but we're excited to be back. And we've got an episode from our boy, Spy Guy. Oh, man. We are on retainer at this point. Dude, Spy Guy is the man. I hope he keeps emailing us. He is saving our booties, as if we were on contract or something. (laughs) Oh, man. He, we're we're getting a lot of good we're getting a lot of good good uh, information on these. Mm-hmm. All these mobsters we had no idea about. And Brandon, I gotta tell you, I just did not realize how many famous or infamous ones there were out there. I knew some of the bigger names from the Midwest in New York City, but we have dove into guys I had never heard of, and they have the best nicknames <laughs> and the worst crimes. The, nickname, the nicknames is probably the biggest perk of this. Yes. But they have quite a rap sheet. Your reputation precedes you. (laughs) (laughs) Brandon, uh, you are Mr. Traveler. You were just in Florida, weren't you? Florida. Oh, yeah, dude. It was nice. We went out on a sailboat and Mm. uh, enjoyed the warm weather. Mm. Well, if there's a time to go to Florida, it's now. (laughs) That's true, because Tennessee and North Carolina, I'm wearing a sweater right now. You're going to be so offended. Someone was asking me yesterday, what is your favorite and least favorite places you've been to for work, Sam? And I was really thinking about it. I'm like, well, I don't have anything against these two particular states. I just didn't have a lot to do. Arkansas and Oklahoma. (laughs) Oh, no. You should have given me a ring. I would have given you some uh, Uh, some stops. I've done the Oklahoma City Memorial. Um, And then Arkansas, there's like hot springs and the Walmart stuff. But Little Rock itself, I mean... Little Rock's not great. You gotta go up to, like, northwest Arkansas. Yeah, but Little Rock, I was like... And then I was like, Oklahoma City and Tulsa, I mean... Besides my friend Brandon and his parents, I can't say I had, like, outstanding entertainment to do by myself. <laughs> i tell you what, dude. You can, you, can be, you can have a bang up old time in Tulsa. Look... Brandon, not everybody wants to go on a four-wheeler, throwing sticks and rocks around as a yellow youngster. <laughs> yeah, go deer hunting, go fishing, and go to church on Sunday. <laughs> well, Brandon, we'll get we'll get our trivia going. Um, so for today's episode, since we're still in football season, I thought this would be fun. All right. So, Brandon, I want you to name for me the top ten, like the schools that have won the most college football championships. Now, now, for those of are we you talking that NCAA Division One or NAI? yeah, NCAA Division One, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and you know, over time, college football's changed. It used to be BCS, and now we have the college football playoff. But pretty much throughout history, there's always been a winner or maybe two teams considered the best teams. So any of that will count. I don't think that's going to affect your guessing, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, Brandon, college football's been around since like the 1880s or something so it's been uh there's a lot there's a lot of guessing for you <laughs> well i was just now thinking of the schools that have been doing it since like the early 1900s yeah there's, uh, there's definitely some that have an advantage <laughs> all right here we go i'm gonna start with notre dame 
I think they've been playing for a long time. Um, okay. I'm going to throw Harvard in there as well, just because, again, I'm thinking of old schools that have done it mm. for a while. Uh, I'll throw Alabama in it because recent history. Okay. Um, Georgia, mm-hmm. USC used to have a really good program, University of Southern California. Yep. Uh, Not the uh, South Carolina? <laughs> no, I didn't want to specify on that. Um, oh, man. Oh, you're good. You got five good ones. Uh, let's go with. Oh man, you're funny. SMU used to be really good back in the day. I'm gonna throw them in. Okay. Uh, before okay. they got banned to death. Um, let's go before they, with. Before they, uh, yeah, they got the uh, death, the death penalty. Death penalty. That's what it was. Death penalty. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna go with. Oh, there's so many good ones. I'll throw Clemson out there. I know it's not right. That's yeah, uh, seven, three more. Seven. Then let's go with. Oh man, this is challenging because you're thinking of all the schools now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna throw Yale out there again. My wild card, Yale. Your your Ivy Techs my or Ivy, Ivy Leagues. Techs, <laughs> I've been doing it for a while. Um, Penn State. Let's go Penn State. Okay. They really good. And then one more and good one. One more. Let's go. Hmm. Let's go Kentucky. I don't think it's right. Thank goodness that's not right. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I didn't All say right. Indiana because I knew it wasn't. Brandon, you did pretty good. You did pretty good. Um, some of these will be surprises to you and other people. So number 10 with six national championships, the University of Minnesota. Minnesota. Oh, my gosh. Let's hear your best Over. Minnesota accent, Brandon. Hey. <laughs> Minnesota. <Sorry>. Tell your <laughs> folks I says hi. <laughs> you get a big? Uh, uh, yep, so the Gophers. Number nine, Oklahoma. Brandon, the Sooners. I'm embarrassed. That's okay. The Sooners have seven, so they, they've they had, had some five. success. <laughs> Number eight, with eight championships, the Ohio State University, which I hate when they correct everybody and say the Ohio State. <laughs> um, number seven, Harvard. So you got that right, your Ivy League. Okay. Uh, number six, with nine championships, USC. So good job, Brandon. Got okay. Southern California. Number five, you're going to disrespect my dad, University of Michigan, the Wolverines. Can't uh. the Wolverines. Um, number four, with 13 championships, you got him right. The Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Fighting Irish. Mm, those Catholics, they fight. <laughs> um, did you say our number three, Princeton? Princeton is I did one. not, but I thought about it. Princeton won 15. Number two, Alabama was 16. And Brandon, you got the number one, University of, or Yale, Yale University, 18. Hey, I did better than I thought. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you were in the right track. The Ivy League schools, some of the Midwest and Southern ones that have been around for a little bit. And uh, so, yeah, good job. All right. So today's episode, like I said, is going to be off from Spy Guy recommending us Ooh. another good one, another tasty, juicy one. <laughs> oh, so mm. good. So we're going to be doing Nathan Kaplan, otherwise known as the Kid Dropper. Nathan <laughs> The kid dropper, Captain. The kid dropper. He drives a minivan and he's going to school. Oh, it gets worse. <laughs> so, Brandon, this one's going to be fun, a little different than we usually do. But 
Nathan Kaplan, a.k.a. Kid Dropper, was arrested for robbery in 1911. He was a member of the Five Pointers gang. So we've talked about the Five Points, you know, before, the, the famous area. That's true. Um, he was out there for seven years. He was more low, widely known as the Kid Dropper because early in his career, he practiced the dropped wallet scam. Now, Brandon, we've seen a lot of different, a lot of the same reoccurring uh, mobster criminal activity. I'm sure you and I can name a few prostitution, gambling, racketeering, uh, uh, prohibition, you know, the classics. But this oh, yeah. one might be a new one. Brandon, can you tell us about the dropped wallet scam? Well, I, I'm not a lie. This one, I, I was like, this is pretty good, actually, because I'd probably fall for it. Well, maybe the mm-hmm. first part, maybe not the second part. But <laughs> the con usually consists of the dropper who purposely drops a wallet containing counterfeit money near a potential victim. As the victim goes to pick it up, the dropper turns to pick it up at the same moment, pretending to have found the wallet as well. Acting as if he's in a hurry, the dropper offers to give the wallet to the victim in exchange for money, while the victim can claim the reward from the owner. So let me get this straight. They, you drop a wallet with fake money in it, and then, but you offer them real, or you offer them fake money for their real money. Yeah. So, you know, say I'm the dropper, I'm walking along, I drop this wallet in front of you, Sam. And mm-hmm. you being good Samaritan, like, oh, someone dropped the wallet. And I pretend to find it at the same time. And I'm in a hurry. And I'm like, well, actually, just give me a couple bucks. And you can take this wallet and go. The guy will probably give you money for finding his wallet or something like that. Oh, well, wow. There's fake money in the wallet. And no one's paying you to give him the wallet back. Yeah. Devious. Dang. <laughs> and I'm good. sure in 1911, early 1900s, a couple bucks, thats that goes a long way. I mean, that's a lot of money. Yeah, so. it's it's a pretty good scheme. I actually read where people still use this, actually. Oh, geez. So be be aware. Be aware. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I would be I could be the good Samaritan if I see someone drop a wallet or look for their license. But for someone to be like, I'll offer you a few or you pay me a few bucks. Like, no, 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 you can. It's your problem. <laughs> I'm not that good of a person. You just take it. I just feel like that'd be uncomfortable or awkward, you know? <laughs> well, I think the idea is that, well. There's probably someone to give me like 50 bucks for giving them their wallet back, you know, yeah. is the idea. But, well, again, it's fake money. No joke. My friend Isaiah and I playing disc golf, find a disc. OK, I call the number. I try to be good. If the if no one answers, I'm keeping the disc, you know, but absolutely. Uh, the, or I text them. The person texts me back. We meet him at like a restaurant where we're going anyways. He gave me like I forget. It was like 20 bucks. Really? I was like. Yeah, I'm like, I play disc golf. The new ones usually cost $22. You know, I was like, he must really like this disc. It would be a nice like, disc. Yeah, I was like, dude, you don't have to, but he insisted. I was like, well, I'm not going to fight you on it. So, anyways. Maybe you should have kept it. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what is this worth? But uh, let's just say well, that paid for Isaiah and I's dinner that night. <laughs> good, good. Taco Bell ain't cheap these days. That's right. <laughs> no more $5 boxes. Um, so one of the many variations of this scheme, uh, like you said, Brandon, the stranger and give him the money. Um, so after, uh, basically eventually this would lead to Kaplan going to prison. Uh, so 1918, he was released from prison. Kaplan got into the racket known as labor slugging. (laughs) So 
labor slugging, Brandon, we're kind of putting you and your history definitions pretty early on, but can you tell us uh, what that what that is exactly? Yeah, so labor slugging, um, former labor racketeering, and we're talking a lot about racketeering. So with the industrialization of the United States and the emergence of labor unions in the late 19th century and early 1900s, like we're talking about, Street gangs actually were started being hired by companies as strike breakers and to discourage discourage union activity. And this is where our buddy gets involved. Unions themselves would actually also hire labor sluggers to protect the union and then to fight back against the people trying to break up their uh, their union activity. And so kind of a muscle man. um, And this actually led into what they call the labor slugger wars. Mm-hmm. Um, which is this again the same period of time we're talking about, which was a 15-year period of gang wars, and there's actually four uh between the Jeez. different yeah, I know it's kind of crazy. And four wars in a series of 15 years, which is just a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and it began in 1911 and finished up in 1927, and it was basically these different gangs vying for control. Um, uh, and eventually it led with the different leaders being killed. But it's mm-hmm. pretty yeah, it's pretty interesting. And this leads to what the Kid Dropper, he was associated with a five-pointer member, and he had a rocky relationship with Johnny Spanish, which is a pretty cool name. <laughs> hey, there we go. When the latter was, uh, when he was, when Spanish was gunned down, he uh, left a restaurant in the East Village section of Manhattan. Kaplan was suspected of this and arrested, but because of a lack of evidence, he was never prosecuted. So, you know, that makes sense. Rocky relationship with this guy, maybe he did it, but not enough evidence. So Johnny Spanish's death left Kaplan in control of New York labor slugging, which also makes sense why they would suspect him. Mm. Um, In 1923, he began encountering competition from newcomers. And there's all kinds of people we'll have to get into sometime, Brandon. But some of these guys, again, I love the nicknames. Jacob Little Augie Organ, Jack Legs Diamond, which we've mentioned him before. Louis uh, Lepke Bukulter, Jacob Gura Shapiro. Um, so this began a Kaplan origin rivalry over, uh, laundry workers and triggered shootouts, just crazy stuff. So important figure, 1923, there was a police captain. His name was Cornelius Wilmsey. He was a top gangbuster cop in the area. He was overseeing the arrangement of Kaplan on a gun charge. So I think this police captain's kind of famous in a way. Aware a contract had been given out on the kid dropper, the captain posted a heavy police guard at the Essex Market Courthouse and personally accompanied Kaplan to a taxi. This is where it gets interesting. Mm. Wilmsey warned Kaplan to get out of town because rivals were gunning for him. You know it's bad when the police officer is not only can't arrest you, but he's telling you you should leave. (laughs) Not because of my men. But who else? Is You're going to die, and I can't help you. I'm not going to stop it, but I'm just going <laughs> to want you to strike out of town. So, as the two seated themselves in the back of the cab for a ride to Penn Station, a 17 year old named Louis Kersner, uh, he was small size, made him look even younger than his actual age. He walked up behind the taxi and pumped five shots through the rear window, killing Kaplan instantly. One bullet also went through Wilmsey's hat. Oh, uh, please. Yeah, pretty pretty shit. Police officer. Um, So the 17-year-old kid, he was caught at the scene, later claimed that the uh, Little Augie's gang got him high on liquor and drugs and persuaded him to be the big man in town 
if he knocked off Kaplan. <laughs> you know, that kind of seems very honest and truthful. <laughs> yeah, I was like, that's actually probably true. I'm kind of buying that story. <laughs> it sounds just dumb enough that's probably true. Pretty good idea. Just specific enough, yeah. Um, the future mayor, James Walker, was his lawyer, and the boy avoided the chair, but he was sentenced to 15 years and paroled in 1937. Um, in 1939, Cohen himself uh, was shot on the Manhattan street. So the killer's killer oh. died, yeah, not too long after. Dangerous business, dangerous business. Poor guy. <laughs> so I, not I like— a, I don't know if that's appropriate to say he's a poor guy, but— <laughs> So maybe there was some stuff that we didn't quite find Nathan Kaplan. It seemed like it came to an abrupt end. I mean, he didn't live that long, 32 years old. But uh, he was, you know, grew up in the Lower East Side and got into this. I think he's really credited with, I don't know about inventing, but perfecting the dropped wallet. So that's why it's kind of important enough to have an episode on him. But, uh, you know, it's not not always the first inventor gets to live long or gets all the credit or gets the money or <laughs> yeah it's it's interesting that you know he had all these cons and then you know we call it going up to the big boys and uh <laughs> it ending yeah hey you know they warned him it's like you got you got some rivals out here um so anyways that's our episode of do you know the mob we appreciate you guys listening uh shout out to uh nancy claire's one of her friend's parents mr ms brewer listening to our episodes let's go here we right. go <laughs> um uh and thank you for following us i think we've maybe hit up to 70 followers on spotify so getting thank pretty excited getting pretty excited but uh i'm your co-host sam bren and this is brandon ellis signing off